0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 78. We're discussing our prelude to Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm running your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Chris. Chris, welcome back, buddy. Welcome back to Alpha Comics as well. Yeah, Chris has opened up the doors here to the illustrious Alpha Comics. We're recording right here in the comic book shop. It's amazing atmosphere to record in. I'm so excited to be back in here. And we just want to say thank you for having us back, inviting us back here to your sanctuary.
1: Well, I'm glad to have you guys, absolutely. This is a lot of fun, I think, doing it right into the store.
0: When you look at the environment that you've created here and the atmosphere, it really fosters and nurtures comic book and movie talk. And that's exactly what we're here to discuss this week. Like we always do with our comic book movies, we do a prelude episode here. So we're going to break down a bit of the comic book origins of Spider-Man, some arcs we think may influence the movie, and also take a look back at Spider-Man films themselves to see what maybe we'd like to see going forward in this universe. We're going to stay relatively spoiler-free here. We're going to try to move ourselves away from the trailers and use our comic book knowledge to speculate a bit as to what we think is going to be in this film and what we'd like to see in Spider-Man films going into the future. This seems to be being received quite well. So I want to sit here and discuss with, especially you, Troy, you're the Spider-Man guy here, so I want to hear what you want to see in Spider-Man films going forward and if they're going to rehash what we've seen in the past with villains like Doc Ock and that in the Spider-Man MCU world. But before we get into all that, and before we even get to our news, I want to give Chris an opportunity. It's been a while since we've been here, since we've been on the podcast together. How are things going with you, and how are things going with Alpha Comics?
1: Well, I guess we've had a while. I can't remember how far back the Logan movie was.
0: (laughs) March? March. It's on home
1: video now. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, uh, lots of things going on at Alpha Comics. We've got uh, way more back issues in stock. We've got a lot more key issues in stock. Uh, We just started uh, doing CGC books, so we can get books graded for people and slabbed in there. Yeah, people are really excited about this because apparently nobody else is doing it in Calgary right now. And uh, we've also been having a lot of fun and doing uh, trips outside the store to meet uh, different artists and and creatives in the comic industry. So we've uh, gotten to meet Art Adams, J. Scott Campbell, and, and Jim Lee recently gotten some books signed, brought them back to the store. People have been pretty excited about that as well.
0: That's fantastic. I saw your video on your Facebook page with Jimmy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That looked pretty awesome.
1: So I'll give you some backstory on the video, because the video, of course, is only like a snapshot of what's going on. And it was towards the end of his signing, and it was getting a little quiet. And it was a last minute idea to ask him to do a, a video for the store. I don't think he heard the word video because he seemed like surprised on the video that he oh, did. Okay. he's yeah. kind of confused. <laughs> yeah. But I had no plans on what to say to him, nothing. Yeah. And so, what just came out of me was like, like "Get him, get him to Calgary." <laughs> <laughs> and Jim's like a really clever, classy guy, so he's he made some fun out of that. Right. And, and it made for the perfect video. I
0: thought it was it was great. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. It seems that like especially with your Facebook page and all that, and keeping an eye on you on Twitter, that. The, the store it's 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 getting a lot of hype recently i find in the city a lot of people i talk to are asking a lot about alpha comics and i think it comes down to like as we're sitting here the environment that you've created and with all these back issues now i'm a huge fan of back issue collecting just going and flipping through long boxes and now that you have so many back issues here it opens up kind of a new avenue mm-hmm. from before it's like you've got your trades here your back issues. You've got new stock. Your Wednesday new stock. You got some pops and all that. So the store is looking fantastic, man.
1: Awesome. Thanks. We're always trying to go one step more to to what expectations are, and and doing the whole package of comics. Uh, we have comics in our name, and we want to make sure that's our focus. So if there's an avenue in comics to to do, we're we're going to want to do it.
0: Yeah, I yeah. find that with with the shops here is that you're always evolving and changing things around similar to how you do with your own personal nerd room. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always an evolving piece of art that you have internally at your house or, in your case, at the shop here. And every time we come in here, it's different. And I love that. It's yeah, like it's, there's something new to look at. There's right. a new statue. There's new comics, whatever. I, that's the best part about going and coming into Alpha is that it's always different. It's never static. And I think that's so important with the industry, too, because Mm -hmm. the industry itself is always evolving, changing. And having a shop that reflects that is really cool.
1: That's a really cool way to look at it. I didn't really compare it to the industry as a whole, but I definitely compared it to our own personal collections at home. It's kind of the comic feng shui that we've got. And it's because we get new parts of our collection, and that means the. It's a ripple effect, right? We gotta change the whole thing. We'll get a new action figure, put it on display. Oh, it doesn't go quite well with that figure, so we're gonna move the whole display around. So the store is definitely that kind of same kind of idea.
0: Yeah, and like as new movies come out and new comics and all that, like I find myself with my own personal nerd room is that it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's really Marvel-heavy what's out, and sometimes it's really Star Wars-heavy. It just depends. It's usually in December. It's mm-hmm. quite Star Wars-heavy. Right. And towards the summertime, it's quite Marvel-heavy because of how the movies and the, the industry is kind of swaying back and forth, or at least the franchises that I'm attached to sway back and forth. So mm-hmm. it, it's cool to see that same sort of evolution in the store.
1: Yeah, we definitely see it here. I kind of call it more of a push and a pull <laughs> back and forth, but uh, definitely we see it here as well.
0: Excellent. And yourself, like, what are you collecting mm-hmm. these days? What are you reading, other than probably everything?
1: <laughs> I wish I could read everything. That's, that's more time than I have in the day. But uh, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, uh, number one just came out. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Depends on uh, how old you are, maybe what you call it. The official title is Peter <laughs> Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. And Chip Zdarsky writes it. He's a Canadian uh, cartoonist and writer. Uh, he's he's famous for his image book uh, Sex Criminals and he's done some other stuff as well. Uh, Howard the Duck, he's written that for Marvel and he's really funny and I'm really happy to have a funny writer writing Peter Parker Spider-Man. Yeah. I think that's super important I think Marvel's catching on to doing that some more, they're getting their more funny writers onto uh, books like Guardians of the Galaxy where Star-Lord's very funny uh, but in the past in the comics Star-Lord's not really known as a funny character but the movie's kind of yeah. developed that. Yeah. Uh, so Marvel's been doing really well, landing funny writers for these funny characters lately, I think.
0: They have done a good job recently on shifting mm-hmm. creative teams around and trying to fit these little niche books. And I agree with you, Guardians is the same way. Like, Bendis' stuff was all right, mm-hmm. but he never, to me, he never fully fit that. He's always in my head an Avengers type guy yeah. and kind of doing more of the ensemble. But it's capturing the voice, especially of those Guardians characters, that's somewhat difficult because you have, especially coming in from the movies, they're trying to parallel a bit of that. Right. And it's so hard to capture those individualized characters from the films and project that into a comic book with a single writer because there's so many different personalities on that team. And I think you're right that they've shifted it towards the right direction and trying to capture a bit of that essence from the, from the films and that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, like we always do with the start of these episodes, we're going to kick it off here with a little bit of news and then we're going to get into our Spider-Man Homecoming prelude episode. And last week, Sanjay and I discussed in a bit of detail the bombshell that came out of Lucasfilm and that was Phil Lord and Chris Miller departing the young Han Solo, the untitled Han Solo film. And this was quite surprising news, this is something that we basically looked at the internet before we started recording last week and discuss it because it kind of popped up right there. And so we didn't have the full detail of the situation and kind of how this antagonistic rift between Kathleen Kennedy and the duo of directors kind of developed over time and how they're progressing this movie. Now, Troy, you're a big Star Wars guy. Yes. I gotta get your take on this because you didn't have an opportunity Great. to talk to it last week. What are your thoughts, firstly, on the duo leaving this film about 75% of the way through filming?
2: I think it's way too late. I think it's way too late of a decision for them to have made. Uh, It's kind of funny because, you know, these guys must go back and forth with how many meetings and, you know, try and figure out their script, their story, the direction where they want to go. So the fact that you have guys like Lord and Miller who've done uh, uh, The Lego Movie and 21 Jump Street, they're all very funny movies. But... They're all very different from the original takes. If you look at the Legos as kids, you never really imagined your Legos kind of like the Lego movie with all that humor. When you look back at the original 21 Jump Street, it's a lot different than what we got. So taking these characters and putting them putting them with uh, Han Solo is kind of different in the first place. And I haven't really been big on the Han Solo movie in the first place. Hearing this news kind of scares me a little bit, but I do like the direction they're going now, Yeah, the course correction,
0: right? And one of the interesting things that was put out there was that Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kaz and Lucasfilm hired them to add a comedic touch to the film. A film that was very much still supposed to be a Star Wars movie. It fit inside that very small sandbox that is Star Wars, that feel, that vibe to it. And they thought they were hired to make a comedy. And some people were likening it to Ace Ventura. That's right. Which is insane. Scary. Like, it's very scary. If Aldrich Geinwright was coming out there and just running around making faces and being just a goofball, right. this wouldn't fit into what these anthology films are supposed to be, at least. Right. I think at the end of the gate here, with these anthology films, they were quite successful with Row 1. They did have the rewrites and the reshoots and the retooling of the movie. But coming out the other end, it was quite successful and it felt like a Star Wars movie. That was a lot of what people said. This feels like an updated Star Wars film. It feels like it's still part of that universe.
2: Right. I think Gareth Edwards was also willing to play more ball yes. you know, with that team, as opposed to these two guys who were a little more on the rebel side right exactly yeah. And
0: but when you look at Han Solo like Rogue One you had the ability to have some artistic license with it you could kind of evolve things the way you wanted to and more nod to the larger right. stories because the original
2: characters too so we, we didn't have a background exactly but with yeah. this Han
0: Solo film this is a character that's been around for 40 years. Yeah. He's very well established. The so character traits a lot have of been... of people's favorite characters. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. He's been picked <laughs> over for the last 40 years, and we revisited him a couple of years ago in The Force Awakens. So if this character isn't the perfect portrayal of Han Solo as Harrison Ford portrayed him, yeah. they're immediately at the gate, they're losing here. Yeah. And that was always going to be the hardest part, was does Aldrich Einreich look like Harrison Ford? Right. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be able to have that voice and carry that prowess yeah, that Harrison? That gravitas that
2: he has, right? Exactly. Yeah. So
0: even the directors thinking that they could stray a bit from a Star Wars film and from this character, yeah, yeah, I just don't get where they were going with it. And I'm happy that Lucasfilm stepped in here. I think at the caution of Aldrich Inrange,
2: right? Because he has the most to lose, kind of. Yeah. Well, besides Star Wars themselves, uh, Lucas. He has quite a bit to lose. This could kind of make or break his career here. Yeah, right?
0: it, it definitely could. Yeah, this could yeah propel him to superstardom. Right. Or if this flops, he
2: could be the next little Anakin. I forgot the, the actor's name. Yeah. But everybody Jake gave him yeah, they yeah. gave him a hard time. So he yeah. potentially could walk that line. Yeah.
1: So
0: Chris, any thoughts here? <laughs> so Ron Howard. Yes, Ron Howard. I
1: Is kind it? of remember with Phantom Menace, wasn't he one of the the consultants for George Lucas? He gave him the thumbs up thumbs up on the cut that came to theaters for Phantom Menace?
0: I believe so. So the director replacing Chris Miller and Phil Lord is going to be Ron Howard, a Lucasfilm staple almost, someone that's comfortable, someone that's safe. And he came out to the defense, I think, of Jake Lloyd Mm -hmm. in The Phantom Phantom Menace, Menace. and he did kind of give a thumbs up. But you look at the initial reviews for Phantom Menace, and everyone loved the film. And it's it's kind of had this renaissance recently where people understand what it's all about, and people are no longer on this prequel hating boat
1: anymore. Yeah, it's kind of moved on, right? Yeah, yes, people
0: yeah. have moved past that. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast is that how the content that they've built up around it in the last few years, even since the Disney buyout, yeah. they've, they've made and elevated the prequels. Whether that's the Clone Wars or Rebels or the comic books that are coming out in around it. For me, I have more of an affinity for the prequels now because of the content they've created around it. And going back and revisiting Maul in Rebels and in Clone Wars and all that, they've made those characters better. And it's like we always call it the Winter Soldier effect. Is yes. that follow-on mm-hmm. material makes the material before it better. Yeah. And I think the Phantom Menace is really that. And so, I, I really don't know about the Ron Howard giving the thumbs up. But even so, like mm-hmm. he's supporting Lucas on his endeavors here, this prequel, and people were hyped for that. But what do you think on on Ron Howard here? Like he is a very safe choice, I think.
1: You'll be able to get the job done. Yeah. But that's a lot of work by the sounds of it. If they've had all this time to build Ace Ventura 3, yeah. Yeah. then <laughs> what is he going to do with what they shot? Right? Yeah. like It's going to be down to the editing room. They're probably not going to want to dump a lot of money into reshoots and stuff like that. But. Yeah,
2: I also think um, Kathleen Kennedy and, and Lawrence uh, Kasdan is, is going to play a big role in this because he's kept Han Solo so close to him since uh, Episode 4. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, he wrote Empire. So I think Hmm. it's going to be predominantly those two really kind of pushing the forefront more so even than than Ron. Because if if you look back at his track record, Rush was pretty good. The race car movie based on a true story. Uh, Heart of the Sea wasn't received so well and he did another movie as well. But his 90s run was a lot more stronger than his current run as a director. So I think it's a safe choice for the name. But can he get the job done for a Star Wars film? I don't know. I think he's kind of just there for name recognition. I really do think it's going to be Kathleen Kennedy and, um, and Lawrence, Lawrence kind of. Well,
0: because Lawrence Kasdan was one of the other guys that was rumored to, to be taking the help.
2: Exactly. As director himself. Yeah, as director. Yeah. So
0: I think you're right. It's going to be more of a tandem here. And Lawrence yeah. Kazan helped out J.J. Abrams quite right. a bit on The yeah, First Yeah, big Awakens. time. And that
2: felt like Han Solo. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So there's consulting there. So. I think that they're, they're correcting course here, and I think Ron Howard, I'm happy about it. He's got the history with George Lucas, yes. American Graffiti, mm-hmm. and he's got Willow a, and all that. Yeah, yep. Willow, yeah. So he's got a long history with Kathleen Kennedy, with Lucasfilm, and he's someone that I can confidently say that at the end of the day, yes, he's going to shepherd this past the finish line and, and produce something that I think we can all be happy with. Yes. And I agree with you, It's a lot of it's going to come down to editing and how they can chop this up. Because I have a feeling what they're going to do is going to, I think they've halted production up until the 10th of July or something like that. They're probably going to go in and see what they have and try to rough cut something together and be like, okay, we have 75% of principal photography done, 25 50%, whatever is usable. Yeah. And I have a feeling that a lot of it is going to be the landscape shots and the big scale action sequences are going right. to be usable. But the character focus moments, I have a real feeling they have to go back and reshoot a lot of For that. For sure. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Especially For sure. if they're going off and being all comedic. Like yeah. There's they're such particular characters. Even with Lando, you can't have Lando and Han feeling different. No. Because like we should. this should maybe get close to A New Hope. As far as age and For time sure, because
2: it think. covers about six, five years yeah. of, of Han Solo there. Um, the, a Question for you guys. Do you think this kind of puts future younger directors in jeopardy for Star Wars? Because if you look at, um, if you go back to, which one was it? The Boba Fett movie that we were meant to get yeah. with Josh Trank. Gareth Edwards had a little bit of a, kind of a little bit of a rough time with Kathleen Kennedy. Right. And, and then, then we've then had this fallout now too.
0: And Colin Trevorrow. And exactly, yeah, we right? We spoke last <laughs> week about rumors that... People were starting to get nervous about him writing and his capabilities as a director and all that. Exactly. So, so
2: do you think they'll go more of the safe choice now these days, going further, especially to the standalone films?
0: Yeah. You know, I think Star Wars was trying to do something similar to Marvel right. in a sense that we're taking writer-director combos, which I think is the right way to go. Yep. There's a lot more investment in a director there and trying to give these younger up-and-coming directors something that they could chew on, something they could put their own vision into. But the problem with Star Wars when you compare it to Marvel is that Marvel gives you that artistic license to do whatever you want. A guy like James Gunn can do what he wants in the Guardians universe. That was a risk they took. But you're in the Star Wars universe here. You can't go too far outside of that box here. No. They're not comfortable stepping outside and doing something that doesn't exactly feel like the Star Wars movies that we saw when we were younger. That's right. But I think for these anthology movies, until they're convinced that they're going to do well on their own, they're not going to step too far outside of the Star Wars world, of the feel of it. Right. And so giving these young directors the ability and saying, look, do whatever, that's not the case here. No. And so I think they're going to have to take a step back and be like, who can we depend on? Guys like Joe Johnson have been thrown around. He's right. The Rocketeer, and he's done some drastic, he's friends with Spielberg, drastic. Yeah. First did, Avenger. Yeah, I he think. did First yep. Avenger, yeah. So he's he can produce movies and kind of fit within the Star Wars universe. Going to these young guys, I don't know. You look at the track record of Gareth Edwards, Colin Trevorrow, yeah. these, these Chris Lord and yeah. Phil Miller, yeah. they, they don't exactly scream. Star Wars big budget movie. Like, right. I like the idea of giving Star Wars movies to different directors. Like you look at the original trilogy, three different directors. Yep. And you got three different movies out of that. And I, I agree with that. I want something that feels somewhat different and somewhat like it's evolving through the narrative process of filmmaking, but it's still gotta feel like a Star Wars movie of course. at the end of the day. The
1: characters have to feel the same. Yeah. Which yes. is to the point of like Han and Lando Lando wanting to see them. Represented the same way that we have them up here.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, I think that's important all the way through. Like, and the director choice, I think it's better if they're going with the not necessarily the safe choice, but the experience choice. Yes. Of course, yeah. Uh, the stakes are too high. These are huge, huge movies now, right. so they they gotta pick right directors for them. It's it's interesting that they would pick a young director with fresh ideas and stuff to bring to it, but. That's that's not what Star Wars is anymore. Like it's it's this world, this universe that that we've become accustomed to visiting now.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in the the multimedia outside of the films is where you can have that licensing to kind of do what you want. Yes. And you look at the books, the, the comics, comics, and yeah, all that. Like, the games. That's yeah. when they can do and experiment with different Absolutely. things, to see how people receive these. Yes. But the films. At this point in time, I think in the future, they will get there where they can make a Guardians-esque movie, one that doesn't feel like it fits within that blueprinted, that scripted Star Wars universe. Yeah. But right now isn't the time for no. that. They're still kind of walking this fine line with releasing a new trilogy, anthology movies. they got to be careful here because there's a lot at stake. Like you said, not only financially, but they have this massive fandom yeah. that... You know, like, Star Wars fans are often the most critical of Star Wars. And Mm -hmm. it's this rabid fan base that wants to see these movies succeed. And I think to do that, yes, they might have to play it a bit safer in the future. Yeah, completely agree. So, it'll be interesting to see. I I think it's all going to be fine. I'm happy with Ron Howard. I think it's the right direction to go. And it's just going to be interesting when they start announcing other movies at some point, who's going to be helming these things. Are they going to be turning to the older, the, the the veterans of Hollywood as opposed to what they were doing before kind of with this Marvel look to their, their selection of right. directors and writers and that.
2: Martin Scorsese, next yeah. up. <laughs> 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 All
0: right, guys. Well, we are here in Alpha Comics. We're right here in the comic book shop. What better place to discuss the biggest announcement in comic book history? And that's coming from Marvel. Marvel Legacy. This is what we were promised, a game changer for the industry. And we've all been speculating what this Marvel legacy is exactly going to be. There's been rumors and discussions for a while now that this is going to be a return to the status quo for Marvel Comics. People, and myself included, have been a bit harder in the last six months to a year on Marvel because of how different things feel. And how I'm just not fully engaged in the storytelling that's going on. Recently, it's been getting better. I've praised Secret Empire from beginning to end here, and I'm going to continue to do that this status quo change or the shift back to Thor son, Bruce Banner Hulk, Captain America. This is the thing that we think is going to happen or at least seems that way as far as them leading us on here. And this announcement, I think it was last Friday or so or over the weekend, about what was going to happen turned out to be a bunch of images of the covers and a release of 52 comic books that are going to be in this Marvel Legacy soft reboot or revamp or whatever you want to call it. Interesting number there, 52. What's your take on Marvel (laughs) having their own new 52 to a degree here?
2: 52 rebirth? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know the, the the covers were interesting. You know, seeing the I think is X Men Gold, and then they did the astonishing uh, Joss Whedon yeah. cover. That was kind of cool. I feel like every year or every two years, at least, we're getting this promise of like the change of the status quo or going back to the status quo, and it, it doesn't quite get there. I thought we were going to get like a clean reboot with um, Secret Wars. It didn't really work out that way. They they skipped a, like an eight month gap there. So as readers, we're all like, what happened during this point of time? And now they're deciding to go back and do another relaunch of some sort. So it's interesting. Um, I just, I just don't really know what to take of this anymore. I'm kind of fatigued with all of these, these status quo switchups. I think DC did it right with Rebirth, though. Rebirth nailed it out of the park and is still going strong today. So I'm curious to see what Marvel's going to do.
1: So the push and pull. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I was kind of referring to earlier. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen both publishers doing like super amazing. It's always either Marvel's being talked about well or DC's being talked about well, and uh, we do know that these guys take jabs. I do notice Marvel takes jabs at DC. New 52. I don't know if they published uh, a press release using the title saying 52 books
0: or There's whatever 26 somebody at just at counted
1: time. them. Yeah, <laughs> they released
0: um, no. Literally, the release was 26 books at a time. That's the that's yeah. Th- okay. They released it. Th- it can't be a coincidence.
1: Right. So so they do do things like that. I could think of um, some examples of variant numbers they've used in the past to kind of jab at that. And it's it's really weird. And I don't know why they would choose that, because now we're talking about DC Rebirth. In yeah, 52. exactly. Uh, when we should be talking about Marvel, what's, what is this great big change of the industry that they're promising us? Uh, Marvel's marketing for a very long time has been very strange, where... They'll just show us a picture and give us a title, yes. a tag, or uh, a word, and we're left here to decide what are they gonna do? That's what right. are they gonna do? And it always feels like what they're gonna do is a big reboot or or something like that. Marvel's Somebody's never really done a true reboot, but the renumbering happens quite often. Uh, and like you said, Troy, about uh, Secret Wars, like that was a that was really a good opportunity for them to do any refining of their universe then. Yep. Uh, so with this legacy idea, you can't have a, a legacy without something going on presently. So I don't think they're going to get rid of any characters. I think everybody's here to stay. Uh, one thing that people aren't talking about enough, though, is Fantastic Four. Yes. Right. How can you have Marvel legacy without talking about their first book? How can you not have that? That's right. Uh, so I know the editor-in-chief, Axel Lonzo, he's been teasing uh, this thing well, it is a Thing. Yeah, it's fish. the Thing. <laughs> uh, but instead of a four on his belt, it's a two. Right. So are they going to do Fantastic Two with Human Torch and Thing and maybe have Moon Girl on the team or, or something strange? Uh, so along I think they're doing
0: a Marvel two-in-one with Human Torch and Thing. I
1: Oh, think that yeah. Was, that's, I did hear something about yeah, two-in-one. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's going to be the book that's going to feature two of the members of the Fantastic Four. Um, so that that is one of the new books mm-hmm. here amongst the 52 that they did announce. So something a little different.
1: And the two in ones were always uh, featuring The Thing, I believe. Yes,
0: they yeah. were. Yeah. 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 yeah, from back in the day. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've got some <laughs> kicking around. I, I, I know somewhere. I do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at this list, and I'm not going to rattle off all 52 books here, but it closely parallels the books that we have right now, like right down to the X Men Bloom Gold, Daredevil Defenders, you've got Gwen Poole in here, Black Bolt. The Avengers, like everything seems to be there that's there right now. I was expecting a much more refined list of comics and then a slow release after, but it it just doesn't seem that they've, they've gone that extra step to refine this down to a product where we're getting quality over quantity. I'm a big fan of maintaining continuity through all this and coming up with some way, whether it's a cosmic cube or whatever, to kind of reset the status quo here. But when I look at this and the way that they've released this in this big 26-issue dumps, it just doesn't seem like they're putting that, that effort into it that I want to see about this, maybe a slow burn release about what's going on, tease us a little about Thor Odinson coming back or yes. Banner's Hulk or... Whatever. have like just read Yeah, they're just yeah. not really overly committed, it seems. Because when you look at the books that are on this list, The Incredible Hulk is going to be revisiting the Planet Hulk story with Amadeus Chow. Right. You've got the thing in Human Torch, like we discussed. They tease the death of Jane Foster's Thor. Okay. So th- there's little things in there. And, and Falcon is... Sam Wilson's going back to the Falcon mantle. So... Yes, they are changing things around here, but at the end of the day, it's going to look very similar to what we have right now. And that's not what I thought this was going to be about. Like We're going, again, more into this idea of Marvel has seasons. Yes. And they go up to issue 15, issue 20, and then they go back and renumber. So I can see them at some point doing what DC is doing right now and, and switching back to... Maybe it's Spider-Man or whatever. Right, like
2: action comics and detective yeah, and comics.
0: Yeah, picking up where we get close to anniversary issues, like issue 700 or 800 yeah, or whatever's definitely. coming up here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I'm just not thoroughly impressed with what I see here. I'm going to get into this, and I like the idea of the Marvel Legacy book. That it's like it's a 10-issue arc or 10-issue series that they're going to be dropping alongside of the re-release of a lot of this. That's right. It's going to be interesting to get into that but there's some really clear notable full absence that I've, I know I've already said them, but the big one here for me is there's no Captain America book. Yeah. And they may be holding something back because of what happens in Secret Empire. They don't want to spoil something. But at the same time, you can't have a return to the status quo without some of your big Avengers, Captain America, Banner yep. Hulk, Thor, and the Fantastic Four. Like you, you just don't, you need those characters. So it's interesting how they're kind of laying all this out it's it's they're promising big things and they're promising the shift industry changing yes. event <laughs> but I'm just not seeing it yet and I, I mm-hmm. just don't know why they, they're continuing to go down this path like if they weren't going to launch it this way don't sell it this way to the consumer and I, I've said this numerous times in the podcast in the, in the past years that I've cut my pull list down to about five six comic books and the majority of them are Star Wars books right, right. now because I'm waiting for an avenue back into a reengagement of Marvel comics,
1: and I actually have a lot of customers like yourself. They they love Marvel. They grew up with Marvel, but right now it's the Star Wars books that's engaging to them, yep. uh, and not necessarily the other books. And just because you're a comic fan doesn't mean you're going to jump from Marvel to DC. You'll maybe just stick with what you like. And the Star Wars books are of high quality. They're yep. great. Uh, the new Darth Vader series is awesome. Yes, uh, Charles Soule. Yeah, he's he's like. Uh, golden touch on the Star Wars books is <laughs> yeah. really. uh, but yeah it's it's uh it's really concerning that people who who grew up on these characters and really enjoy these characters a lot now we're just watching the movies I guess yep. and that doesn't feel right at all like uh, Marvel, if, if they're the best movies, they should be the best comics. They they should be the best comics. They've got these awesome characters. The new characters are great, too. Like, uh, I can't, like, pick on any of those characters as no. being bad or anything like that. Uh, I don't think they should get rid of old characters, new characters at all. Use them all yep. and let people decide with their dollar what they're going to buy and make those books high quality. Like, yep. it seems simple. I don't run the company or anything, <laughs> but... That's what all I would think of.
0: They've got to strike a balance between mm-hmm. the new and the old. And between this legacy and this other generations thing that they're doing here where they're pairing up in this 10-issue miniseries type thing or one-shots where they're kind of pairing up Thor and Jane Foster's Thor and Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. And so they're, they're kind of going down this path where they're acknowledging the fact that they want to have two Hawkeyes and two Hulks and all this and have a new and an old and mm-hmm. develop those stories together but i think at the same time they need to recognize that it is all about a balancing act and yep. it, it's going and promoting the fact that yes we have these new characters and using old characters to prop them up and get people into this like i agree like there's a lot of really great characters mm-hmm. that have come out in the last couple of years and i love the sam wilson falcon stuff it's been absolutely great even though is chase i i don't love it but i also don't hate it like there's a lot of good characters there like camilla khan Mm -hmm. as miss marvel has been fantastic and a lot of the new guardian stuff that they're doing it's there's a lot of positive things there but it just seems so spread out to me like when you say you've got 52 books here how many of those are going to get chopped within the first 10 issues, would you say? From your perspective and seeing kind of this evolution and seeing new books come out and all that.
1: Well, the way I've been seeing books kind of evolve is to fit into the trade paperback format. Yeah. So, every book out there, it's almost like we have to treat as a mini series. Every book that's released, six issues. Yeah. If it if they want to do more, they'll do more, but don't no hard feelings, there aren't canceled books. That's just what they're shooting for is to get a trade paperback out there.
0: Yeah. Do you find that the trade paperbacks move a lot better than the single issues, or is that... Not
1: in my store. No. Um, maybe so, in in the bookstore yeah, market or something like chapters that. Chapters or whatever, yeah. Um, but if if they mess with that formula, then the whole thing's broke, right? Yeah. they got to have those six issues to fit in a book, a storyline to fit in a book. Um, some of these books these days really feel written... Uh, for a trade paperback, I don't know if you guys have read the new Hulk series uh, starring uh, She Hulk. She Hulk. No. Um, do we do a com- comic book spoilers on here? Just not movie spoilers.
0: Yeah. Well, we. we do. Just love It's been out spoiler. for more than a month, oh, so okay. it should yeah. be okay. Yeah. So spoilers uh, here. Yeah.
1: So so spoiler <laughs> alert: if you haven't read the Hulk uh, Volume One trade paperback coming out, and it is the gray version of the She Hulk. Okay. Uh, and people really do enjoy this book, but she doesn't become the Hulk until the sixth issue.
2: Wow. Okay. is it So it's not Jennifer.
1: It is. It is still Jennifer. Uh, okay. So it's following the events of uh, uh, S- Secret... S- uh, Civil War II? Civil War II. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, it, it's hard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so from, from her state from there, uh, she was uh, basically repressing the Hulk, and it's a different type of Hulk. It's her gray Hulk, and it's kind of a creepy version of a Hulk, I find. But the covers have always... Uh, featured this Hulk, and uh, the covers have been so amazing. So if anybody opened up a book thinking, oh, I'm going to get this Hulk in it, well, they wouldn't unless they picked
0: up the trade paperback, I guess, because that's how that story was written, definitely.
2: Okay, interesting. Yeah,
0: Yeah. You mentioned there briefly that you're seeing customers and people Mm -hmm. that you interact with a lot are having these same feelings about Marvel. Do you think this is industry-wide? Like, Do you think this is something that Marvel... Acknowledges like I just don't like I this is something that I've heard quite a bit over the last year or so and I'm a diehard Marvel fan like I will I mm-hmm. will never switch sides <laughs> right if you like seriously though and I I do read some DC stuff but Marvel is where I'm at and I will be loyal to them through the thick and thin but do you see Marvel coming around at some point or acknowledging fandom because like most recently I guess as far as Marvel acknowledging things was this whole digital comic thing. Mm-hmm. They kind of walk back on that yeah. after only a month or two right. because there's this huge outcry from and fans. And usually
1: these companies are quite bullheaded and yeah. don't budge on things like that. But yeah, the fans were like, where's my proper code for yeah. my book? Right. And, um, so th- I think it was only three months and they, yeah. they fixed it, right? Uh, I think the legacy and generation stuff coming up is kind of a response, but I feel it might be... Uh, a delayed response. Usually, their storylines they're working on like two years in yeah. advance and right. stuff. So, I think they're making changes, and that's why the, the legacy stuff coming up isn't all the way clear what, what's going on mm-hmm. as well. I think they're still trying to sort things out. Yeah. See other pants. Uh, but there was a very public uh, retailer summit that happened with Marvel just recently, and, and a lot of that stuff was spoken with Marvel. Right. So, it's not just my market, it's uh, citywide, it's, it's nationwide, yeah. it's, it's market wide. Because well,
0: they're hurting in sales in general. Well, they're they're
1: doing okay. Like, but we want Marvel to be doing the the best. Yes. Uh, and and I'm sure they feel the same way. Uh, I I don't know. Like I, I like to play armchair, you know, Marvel editor in chief or yeah. Marvel president <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And it's hard for me to get in the heads of a company that's been around for so long. You think, like they'd have us like lining up like for for their stuff like mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. Like, but it's not the case. I don't know if they're paying too much attention to the internet. I know that's fouled them up back in the day uh, when they did the unmasking for Spider-Man. The internet oh, yeah. was very upset by that. Yeah. So to correct it, they did the Mephisto storyline, right. which day. made it worse. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. hopefully, you know, they got the right people working there that that could make these choices. And yeah, it's not easy, I'm sure.
0: Do you think that this is a bit of Marvel 2 not wanting to parallel reflect the films too much to get accused of you're just copying what they're doing over here because it's an avenue in for sure and I don't want them to mirror everything that's going on there but they do have this this massive marketing tool which Mm -hmm. is the films that they don't leverage as much as I thought they would like you do see throughout the years Tony Stark's changed into Robert Downey Jr. and the Guardians are very much so the Guardians from the films if you compare them back to the 2008 Abinant and landing run and you do see some of that the the Defenders and all that like right now that's Mm -hmm. right out Netflix but I, I sometimes they just don't take full advantage. And whether or not they consider that Marvel Comics is its own entity.
2: Its own universe. Its own
0: universe. Right. And they yeah. don't want to be seen to copying something that only showed up in 2008, 10 years ago. Yeah. So I, some of it I feel like is a, is a bit of a pushback on that as well. Is that we're going to do our own thing. We're our own company, our own universe. And we can establish characters here. So I don't know if it's it's all that because you hear, about sometimes the rifts between TV and film that, right. and that do you get something similar with the comp books and how much can you leverage off of each other? So I feel like Marvel acts as a whole company, but in in all trueness, it's s- several smaller companies that are trying to right. do their own thing, build their own universes, and not have to rely on one another. Right. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a bit of pushback on that, but it's this whole legacy thing. I, I'm really pulling for Marvel here to yep. do something good and do something big and and really get back to the fundamentals of their comic books, which includes the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just like this is something I've been saying for a couple of years now: is let's wait and see. They're eventually going to get back on the right track, yep. whether it's Legacy or Generations or something else that's coming down the road. I have full and the utmost confidence that they will get there someday. Yep. I'm just not fully there that Legacy is going to be the, the final answer for this this you know shift in Marvel's ability to put out top-notch books consistently.
2: Right. And I, I think they will because DC had their, their troubles too with the, mm-hmm. the new 52 back in 2011. A lot of people weren't reacting so well to the new 52. It, it worked for me because it kind of really brought me into the DC universe, but Rebirth struck gold and it's it worked for them so i don't see why marvel couldn't do it because dc was kind of in, had their backs on the ropes a little while ago there too yeah, they, yeah they in 2014
1: i was having the complaints on dc that right. i have today uh on marvel yeah it's it's that push and pull it yeah. really is uh one company will do good the other one will bounce back and it's it'll go back and forth yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah marvel will come out and they'll do it well you bring up like the movies and the difference between the movies and the comics it's it's a fine balancing act there, too, I'm sure. Like, I think the comics could be done well if they mirrored the movies on the covers a lot, mm-hmm. at right. least on the covers, to resemble what people are seeing. And, and then they come into the store, and then they could see, oh, that's Thor, that's that. I have right. a 12-year-old customer, and, and she got into this through the movies. And she loves Thor. She came into the store looking for Thor. And on the new comic wall, there wasn't that character. So she picked up Jane Foster Thor. She really enjoyed it. But the other books, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, before the most recent renumbering, like it was getting really different from the yes. movie and stuff, right? With uh, different characters. Excellent
2: characters popping up, And she almost, yeah. she
1: almost dropped Guardians of the Galaxy because it was becoming too different from what was her new familiar through the movies yeah. and stuff, mm-hmm. right?
0: So, yeah, it can't be easy making those choices, that's for sure. No one's taking acknowledgment of the <laughs> fact that the movies are bringing people in. And you know this better than, than anyone, mm-hmm. but I came through. Movies as well. I came mm-hmm. through Captain America: The First Avenger. Right. Okay, and so 2011 is when I actually started reading comic books, and it's enveloped my whole life now. Yeah. This is like mm-hmm. one of my main hobbies. Look what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, that was my avenue in yep. to comic books, and I think a lot of people are feeling that way recently. <laughs> and so it's it's striking that balance, like I said, between the films, between the comics, and and doing something different to keep people engaged in the comics, but at the same time remembering or, or reminding them. That yes, it, it is kind of like the movies a bit at yeah. the same time still
2: too. It's interesting though because they've done it before. Like if you go back to um, Amazing Spider-Man, the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, uh, the Lizard was the was the villain. Yep. So Marvel Comics did a whole storyline. I think it was Shred, shredding. But anyways, there's the Lizard and there's Spider-Man. So they kind of focused on those characters. If you go back to the first X-Men movie, mm-hmm. they they made the X-Men's costume was pretty similar to the Brian Singer. Yeah, you know, so yep. maybe they learned the lesson. Maybe something went wrong there. I don't really know, but they have tried doing it before it seems like there's
1: really good times to do it and really maybe bad times to do it yeah like spider-man with his uh, organic webbing like that seemed like a weird weird choice but they fit it in the story and it was part of a new power set it's it's kind of cool people actually like grown to like it yeah Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: well we'll have to wait and see here and you guys you guys bring up spider-man here yeah I think that's a perfect segue from the comic books into our main topic of discussion, and that is our prelude to Spider-Man Homecoming. This movie drops in a little over a week here. We're immensely excited for it. Got my tickets already? Yes. (laughs) This this thing looks like it's going to be huge. I'm excited to see this version get his solo take in theaters here. And it seems that a lot of the critics are viewing it that way as well. Recently, we've got some indications from some early viewings from critics and fans alike that this movie is as good as Spider-Man 2. So people are really praising the movie as a whole and Tom Holland's portrayal of Spider-Man. And I don't think that's really that surprising Mm -hmm. coming off of his portrayal of Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. I think that was really well received. And coming out of that, they really jumped on this film because this went almost immediately into production not too long after Civil War wrapped and we're getting this movie only what a year out from Civil War Civil War last year 2016 yeah so we're getting this movie one (laughs) year out from his introduction and you look at Black Panther is two years out from that you look at some of the characters in there like Ant-Man and that that just have had the one iteration we don't have them running to the gate to do another Ant-Man movie right now it is coming right but this Spider-Man was a real focus for Feige coming out of Captain America Civil War, a real focus for the MCU. They're trying to build up their characters for post-Avengers 4. And this is going to be a real staple, if this movie does well, this is going to be a real staple for the MCU going forward. They need to have their new pillars, their Black Panther, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man. This is going to be the character, one of the characters, that carries this franchise through well into 2020 and beyond. Right. So it's good to see that we're getting the positive response. And the comparison to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is a very favorable one. I'm excited by that prospect. Mm -hmm. Because you look at this film, like, I don't think there's ever an expectation that this film wasn't going to be good. But to just hear people say that is very comforting. It's like Wonder Woman. Going into it, I wasn't thrilled with the idea of the movie because I'm not a huge fan of the ones that came before. But as soon as people started talking positive about it, it really changed how I went into this movie with my expectations. And I never went into this movie or was never going into this movie with a dampened expectation. But it was on the bottom of the three of the MCU movies that I'm excited for this year. But this just gets me that much more hype, that positive flow and that positive discussion Online with news outlets, whatever. I think this is going to bode very well for the movie going into its first weekend box office.
2: That's right. You got that bad taste over your mouth with uh, yeah. Amazing Spider Man 2. Yeah. I, I think even Civil War has already done that, to be honest. Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. I did like they really had to shift and do something different. And I was always pulling for a Miles Morales in this universe right. over mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Right. But seeing what they did in Civil War and seeing what looks like they're going to be doing in this film, yes. I think they made the right decision for to sure. stick with what people are familiar with to a degree and telling the Peter Parker as a teenager story.
2: Yeah.
0: One thing that we always like to do here is box office predictions. We did this with Logan. We've done this with Guardians and all that. I've proven to be absolutely horrendous <laughs> at making box Worst office predictions. <laughs> I predicted that one woman would only make $75 million. Oh, okay. <laughs> Troy and Sanjay threw it $100 million and they were right on the ball there. So <laughs> whatever I say is probably not going to come true but I'm going to try to thread together we're going to try to piece together some evidence here and we're going to lay down our box office predictions. Cool. And I think like we did last time, let's throw a little wager. Oh, yeah. yeah a little yeah. wager. How about just a single comic book from here at Alpha Comics? Of course. Might be a, a better issue. place to do it? There's some really nice ones on the wall here that are worth, you know, one comic. 50, Is that Jim Lee X-Men bucks? right there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter let's, throw, let's, throw, let's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> throw it on the table. I'll throw a single issue here. Cool. Of your choosing. Nice. Closest to without going over. Cool. All right. Well. Before we do our actual predictions here, I'm going to lay out a few things here for you. So, last week, Sanjay and I spoke in quite a bit of detail about the state of the cinematic universe and how and if we thought it was a benefit to Hollywood as a whole. Was it a detriment? And we both came to the conclusion that, to a degree, it was benefiting, specifically for these universes that we really care about DC, Marvel, Star Wars. And you look at a franchise like Transformers. So, it dropped this past weekend. No one was really talking about it. And its five-day total is half that of Transformers 4.
2: Oh, wow. So it only did
0: $45 million, and then it's done 69 in five days compared to 120-something for Transformers 4.
2: Wow. That's the worst they've ever done then.
0: Yeah, this is the worst opening ever. So this is a franchise that spanned five movies now. Now, I'm not trying to compare this directly to MCU or whatever, but it's the idea of franchising. And we've seen multiple reboots in the Spider-Man universe. We have Raimi's trilogy, we have The Amazing Spider-Man that yeah. stopped at two yeah. movies, and now we have this iteration. Do you think this is going to weigh into, at all, this movie, this idea of franchising and reboots and people tired of going back and revisiting characters or revisiting a story that they're overly familiar with? Will this factor in to the first weekend box office for Spider-Man Homecoming? Not for no, Spider-Man. No. no. <laughs> not for Spider-Man. I was trying to see
1: him <laughs> <laughs> Well, the biggest difference is, like you already mentioned, with Civil War, yeah. we've been introduced to this new Spider-Man and he's so well-received. I wanted an old guy Spider-Man. I yeah. wanted somebody like in his kind of mid-20s, late-20s. Goes, goes to Empire State. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not a teenager again, but Tom Holland and what they presented uh, totally sold me and I think it did for everybody. I think people are going to be really excited for this movie. Yeah. I agree fully you there. Yeah. <laughs> trying to play devil's dad, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's look at
0: the other comic book movies this year and their first weekend hauls. So Logan did 88. Yeah. Guardians did 146. And Wonder Woman did $103 million. And if we look back at previous Spider-Man opening weekends, we have Spider-Man 1 that came out in 2002. This was the big kickoff oh, yeah. to comic book movies. Yeah. It pulled in $114 million. I believe it was one of the first, if not the first, to go over $100 million in its opening weekend. Sight. This was followed up by an $88 million Spider-Man 2. And Spider-Man 3 was the biggest of the franchise so far with $151 million.
2: Right. The musical, right? The musical, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and Amazing Spider-Man, they did have relatively good first weekend box office. But when you look at the Amazing Spider-Man, so the reboot of that franchise it only right. did 62 million dollars, which is the lowest in the franchise. Right. The Mark Web one, yeah. The Mark Web one. So the revisiting of a story that people are familiar with, it was the first entry was the lowest because the follow-up to that was 91 million dollars. Yeah. So the sequels yeah. are going back and forth between being the highest, but the interesting bit is that that reboot, that Amazing Spider-Man reboot. Yes. And I agree with you guys. This isn't. It is a reboot, but because it feels like, and because it's part of the MCU, yeah. it's going to have that Civil War bump behind oh, it. Oh yeah, the whole MCU backing. Yeah, behind exactly. It. Yeah. It's got Iron Man in it as well. So a little, we, cap, yeah, little bit of cap. Yeah, a little bit of cap. We've got the Avengers Tower in the background. It's so it feels familiar. That's right. So with that in mind, with kind of what we've got for comparison between the original Spider-Man trilogy, which was what, 15 years ago, oh. and what we've got now, where do you guys think this is going to land for the first weekend box office?
2: I'm going to the ballpark of 150. 150? Yeah, going around 150. Bold. Yeah. Very bold. So yeah. do, you think <laughs> it, do you
0: think it'll have the legs to top the 151 million of Spider-Man 3?
2: Oh, to top Spider-Man 3? What was okay. Spider-Man 3 against? So?
0: 151 million.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, if if Guardians did 146, uh, you know what? I'll go 145. 145? I'll go 145. Okay. That's where I'll sit. 145 right there, locked in.
0: All right. What do you got, Chris? What do you think? <laughs> Me? Uh,
1: 146. Oh, look at you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do 146. I was really thinking about it. Yeah. But, uh, I was looking up the Civil War opening. Right. Uh, and That's... it was way higher than all those other things we've been talking about. Exactly. But, um, it was 100 and... But it's, uh, it's tough, Wonder man. Woman's sharing theater space.
0: um You've got Transformers in there. You've yeah, got, um, but it's
2: already going to be on its way out. Yeah, well, not on its way out, but...
0: You've got apes coming. Well, I guess I'll, I'll go lower. I'll here. go to 135. That's a good number. 135. Yeah, good okay, number. well, I'm going to stay on the conservative end here <laughs> again. I'm doing 117. 117? Okay. Yeah, I want to see it top out the original Spider-Man. So that was yeah. 114. So, that's right. And I'm... I'm Factoring in here, a bit of a bump. We got a crowded July here. It's summertime. Everyone's going to be out. Vacations. Hit the
2: kids. they will hit the adults. Michael Keaton's in there, so yeah. we're going to get that older crowd, the senior crowd.
0: We'll mm-hmm. see here, though. Like I think it From has all 20s. the potential. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this thing has all the potential to do big bucks, and yeah. that's not always what matters about these movies. We want a quality movie out of this. Yes, that's the most I don't important care thing. What it does, yeah. but I do like throwing around the numbers because it's interesting to compare and see trends yeah. in Hollywood with franchises with the MCU is that again like I said this is going to be one of their pillars this needs to have a good solo outing so they can stretch this into three or four movies Tom Holland's a young guy he oh yeah for a long time they're gonna push it for a while
1: yeah. I want to see this guy graduate should be a strong enough character to be able to do what Star Wars is doing where it's basically a movie a year yeah yeah because if they do every alternate year with with Tom Holland right and in between Miles Morales yeah. 2099 there you go Spider-Man Noir yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you could keep Spider Gwen. Yeah. Like it doesn't end. Like no. you could keep doing Spider Man. Yeah, Spider-Man so and, much. Well, this so is much the you universe can do. that Sony tried to. They,
0: they you know, tried. Yeah, it, right? they yes. still tried. Well, yeah, because yeah. everything came out of Norm Osborn's basement. Great. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's A floating awesome. head. <laughs> <laughs> well, Spider Man. He is. He's one of the. Like I said, he's going to be a pillar for the MCU. But he is one of the main pillars of Marvel Comics as well. It's a character that debuted in 1962. And he was written by Stan Lee and drawn by the man Steve Ditko. And we're getting a lot of that reflection in the current iteration Mm -hmm. of Tom Holland's Peter Parker of Spider-Man. The eyes. Yes. The eyes say it all. People really appreciate that. I love it. Especially Spider-Man fans
2: Been a big fan of those eyes, yeah.
0: And Stan Lee, I think a lot like Marvel's doing right now, is that they want a character that resonated with the teenage population. You look at the MCU as it is right now, it's all adults. Over 35, 40. You look at the big characters here. And I think that going back to a younger Peter Parker is the right idea. This is going to bring in a slightly different demographic. You're getting your John Hughes type of a movie right. out of this. You're getting that high school, that proper high school, that we never, I don't think, really got no. with Tobey Maguire.
2: No, or Andrew Garfield. Yeah, movie. and yeah. so you,
0: you've you been kind of saying this for a while now, this is the Peter Parker you want, the Peter Parker from the origin story, from the ultimate Spider-Man origin story, where we go yeah. back to... School, yeah, the
2: Bendis run basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like Chris actually to the from the, from the beginning there when I heard they're doing this. I wanted that college Spider Man, you know, I love that, that Fox Kids 90s animated Spider Man. I, totally what I, I yeah, I, I still think his best stories are in college because he only really was in high school for what two years of his run, um, maybe. I think issue 30 is when he went to Empire State, which is, mm-hmm. I think it's third year. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll get there. We have so much time to get there. And I really like what they did with introducing him in um, Civil War. And Tom Holland has a lot of legs on him. We can do so much with this character, this actor. So I just, I can't wait to see what they're yeah. going to do here. This is great stuff. Yeah.
1: He's easily the most agile Spider-Man. <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah. yeah.
2: He, he really is. The stuff he's doing <laughs> is incredible. Yeah. So I, I really do think the Bendis run is a the, is the safe way to go, though, from the ultimate universe definitely. I think yeah.
0: that we're going to see a lot of that paralleled in this film or at least yeah. in this universe. Sure. Yeah. And that's one of the, I haven't gone back and read a lot of Spider-Man, but the Ultimate Spider-Man run is something that I've picked up right. in the last couple of years getting into Spider-Man. I kind of started off a bit with the Ultimate Universe yeah. when I did get into comic books because again, it's it's kind of a modern take on everything and Exactly. it was an easier avenue in than going back and trying mm-hmm. to revisit the, the dense continuity that was Marvel comic books, or that is Marvel comic books, yeah. and I think this Mark Bagley, Brian Michael Bendis run from yeah. the early two thousands is a fantastic avenue in for this type of Spider Man. Right. There's there's parallels you can already see with yep. um, Ned. Who was yeah, like, like Gank. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then yeah. even there's a cool panel in here that I yanked off the internet is the the scene where we have the robbery. In the first trailer. Yeah. That is a panel right out of Bendis. Begley. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. they did that. Yeah, Begley did it. Yeah, Yeah, which is great. Yeah, it is. And I think that if you want to get into comic books through Spider Man, I don't like steering people away from the 616 or whatever they call it now. But the Ultimate Universe for Spider, that's just a good avenue in. You're going to see a lot of familiar faces or at least themes and story and ideas and narrative in that Ultimate Spider Man book that you're going to get in this movie. I think that's where we're going to take a lot of the influences from. And you see that right strung through the MCU. Right. And uh, Like the like the costumes and kind of the tone that they've set with some of these movies. Right. I think that's really going to be reflected here. I, I like the idea of the Ultimate Universe for somewhat of a gateway, at least the first part of it. It gets a bit wonky near Ultimate <laughs> and all that, but <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I think that's a way in. Do you have any comic books that you think are going to influence this a bit more, or at least maybe some comic books that you think people should look at in a little more depth if they want to get into more Spider-Man, even some of the more recent stuff, try to give people that avenue into comic books.
2: Well, yeah, like you mentioned, definitely the Ultimate Universe. You can't go wrong there. Um, again, going back to the issue, th- issue thirty, I think it's thirty-one to thirty-three. It's the iconic one when Spider-Man basically has to like help his Aunt May. She's sick, and he ends up carrying like that whole uh, science facility going underwater. He carries like the whole center on his own. He uses a lot of strength. There, it's an iconic moment. Look it up. You can see images all over. Um, I think it's something called my destiny of some sort, but I think they're going to go with that route. They're going to take little things from that, um, from that book. But I think again, it's, it's basically going to be the ultimate universe yeah. that's going to shine quite a bit here. Chris, what do you, what do you
1: think? I think it'd be really fun to compare Spider-Man's costume that he gets from Tony Stark yeah. with the iron Spider-Man suit. What kind of features are they taking? Are they yeah. picking? Right. Is he getting the police radio? Is he, uh, He's. you know, does he have tentacles? I doubt it. But <laughs> <laughs> or extra spider arms, I guess, not tentacles. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of wondering what's there. But I, I have to agree with what you have said already, like taking from the ultimate line from Bendis. Uh, we know he used to consult like on all the Marvel yep. movies with the group. And uh, it, it's more of an easier, accessible take Uh, rather than going all the way back to the 60s and and reading words that were written for people... (laughs) at that time yeah. it's very very different it's fun but it's very different yeah. uh but yeah i'd be curious to see what kind of iron spider suit features are, are in this thing yeah, I, yeah
0: i'm curious about that as well if they're going to go down that path either now or eventually
2: eventually think, yeah
1: yeah, it, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be interesting well he's tracking see. him and he doesn't seem to care yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the modern american take is, so i don't know uh <laughs>
2: so, something cool i hope they do borrow from the 60s or the original spider-man is i remember going back and reading those uh um, because he's such a youngster, everybody looked at him in the, in the in the superhero universe that this kid has so much potential to be so strong. And they've kind of gone away from that now. And I hope they, they stick with that. Because if you go back to uh, Civil War, the movie, you know, uh, Steve Rogers notices that Peter Parker has a lot of heart. Yeah. Him, and he notices there's a lot of potential in this character. So I think that's already good groundwork set out. And I hope they keep up with that throughout the whole universe of this new Spider-Man movie. That this kid could one day be the be best, the ultimate Spider-Man. Basically.
0: Yeah, and because th- recent rumors are pointing towards that Tony Stark is going to return for the sequel, that it's going to be another Avenger, to be someone else. Right. So it's interesting because you look back at comic book history, and Spider-Man seems to have a mentor here and there, whether it's Tony Stark or Captain America or someone right. is leading them along here. And you see that in the Civil War book as yep. well, There's this whole mentorship of Peter Parker. And I think I'd like to see that as we go through these movies, is that Peter Parker always kind of at least at the start needs a mentor yes needs someone along his side to kind of guide him and then once we get to say movie three or four this is when he breaks out and becomes a mentor to say miles morales that's right that's so right so we can evolve this character and kind of include other characters from the mcu in the films to help you know bring a bit more of that density of character to these Marvel movies because we need that now we're not in a space anymore in the MCU where you can have a solo outing of an individual character right you need to have something building like I think Black Panther has the ability to do that because it's going to be set in Wakanda Thor is going to be off world so you can do things like that but these New York you know more MCU kind of this is the box that we're sitting in in New York yeah they need to acknowledge the fact that Avengers Tower is right down the street that's right I think they can do that by bringing in new characters new Avengers new MCU characters that we've seen before or introduce new people into this. I think that's a, a great avenue to do this is use Spider-Man as this leverage point to, to include Captain America or include someone else, Daredevil, whatever. That's Bring right. the Netflix characters through Spider-Man.
2: That's right. Mm. Or, or, or what a kicker it would be if they went the uh, ultimate Fallout route where, you know, they have realized, okay, Spider-Man, you kind of causing a little bit of trouble here um, and Captain America is going to train you now. But Captain America kind of fails at his training and Spider-Man ends up dying. Yeah. And you know, there's a huge weight hmm. felt in the MC or I guess the Ultimate Universe, where it's like we let this kid down, you know. And Miles Morales takes his place right. eventually. I want to see Miles. It'd so be a big kicker, those. right? But yeah. I think it'd be kind of neat.
0: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a route they could go eventually with this right. character,
2: right? But I hope not, though, because I'm yeah. a Peter Parker fan, and I hope they he doesn't he never dies. So <laughs> we'll see. They'll come <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. They, yeah.
0: Well, Tony Stark <laughs> looks like he's going to play a big role in this film. Do you think beyond the mentor role? Do you think there's a possibility that he's going to give the Uncle Ben speech? The with great power comes great responsibility. As a Spider Man <laughs> fan, how would you feel about that? About that line being taken away from Uncle Ben? I hate it. I hate yeah. it. If,
2: uh, <laughs> nothing against your idea or no, anything. No, no, I'm just I'm yeah, literally yeah, suiting ideas. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely. You, you know that's that's something to come from the words of, of Uncle Ben. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind Tony Stark kind of stepping in as that that Uncle Ben figure for this movie, so we're not you know rehashing the past movies origin story with uh, Uncle Ben. But I would like to see a flashback of some sort, even with him mentioning yeah. those words. Or we we all get the hint now, and maybe later on we just hear Spider Man tell Tony Stark, you know, I heard once uh, words from a great man that with great power comes great responsibility, yeah, like and that would yeah. work. Right.
1: Because there's no sincerity of Tony Stark saying yes. those words. It would be a joke. It would be him saying a joke. Uh, but but for him to say it back, yeah, I think that would work really well. Cool I think take. I think he's yeah. learned the lesson already. But right. I I don't think he he lives by that. Yes, uh, by having responsibility with the great power. Right, like we
0: see him still learning that in his right.
2: own movies. with Gwen's right? death and even, even the comic mm-hmm. books that. Yeah. he's always learning. Yeah.
0: Because it's interesting, when I look at the character we saw in Civil War, I don't see that broken Peter Parker character in Holland's portrayal. Mm. I just don't see how a year ago or whatever.
2: Six months or whatever, that yeah. That
0: Uncle Ben could have died and then he became Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't get that yet. So I don't know how much of that story they're actually going to revisit in this. Of course, I think it needs to be there. Yeah. This is the, the essence of Spider-Man is built within the death of Uncle Ben, right? And if it's not there, that I think that's a major flaw for the character. Definitely, he, he needs to have that fatal yeah. flaw, right? It's
2: like Bruce Wayne's parents; they have to die. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I agree; we don't need to rehash it. But I, I'm just thoroughly interested in how they're going to how they're going to go about this. Yeah. And I worry sometimes that that there's that one little speech from the trailer that, that Tony gives them about the suit. Yeah. That that's the direction that they're going to go. I don't think they will go mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did.
2: Yeah. I I think this movie is going to focus kind of heavily on family. And they're going to do it in the Mm -hmm. right way. Not like the Suicide Squad way. (laughs) Or even the the latest Fast and the Furious uh, movie. Um, Just because the vulture seems like there's a lot going on with him. There's some kind of line he mentions in the trailer about family. And even if he has to kill them, he will. I think this movie will focus quite a bit on that. So I, I don't think they will go too far away from the whole Uncle Ben mythos. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I hope they don't. I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see
0: where they take this character. They might want to do something completely That's different. That's just it. Yeah, I mean the Ultimate Universe is a little have bit a different. Boyfriend. Nah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> My cousin Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> so Troy, you mentioned the Vulture there. He's going to be the main villain for this film. And we've right. seen a lot of Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery throughout the years of the last fifteen years yes. or so. And this is the first time we're going to be seeing the Vulture. Now he was rumored to be in Spider-Man 3 originally and he was replaced by Venom. Right. He's supposed to be in the never made Spider-Man, Spider-Man 4. 4. yeah. And this character, when you go back and look I at mean, him, I think he appeared in the second issue that contained Spider Man. Mm-hmm. William Toobs, yeah, yeah, and the Tinker, I think. Tooms. Adrian Tooms, yeah. yeah. And in the comic books, he's a ridiculous looking villain. <laughs> yeah. He's an old man, he's bald, he's got this collar of feathers and all this. And they've really modernized and updated. He looks like an ultimate <laughs> version of the vulture. What are your thoughts on the vulture being the main villain from this film? And do you think by having the vulture, You know, he is a legacy rogues gallery character of Spider-Man. He's someone that's been there since this 1962 second issue. But do you think he's the right choice for this MCU film? Or do you think that they've gone this route because they're trying to avoid rehashing what we've seen in the previous five movies?
2: Um, I think a bit of both. I think they want to give you something fresh because we've seen Goblin over and over again. And um, I think um, Adrian Toomes is a safe route, especially because he's been rumored for quite some time now to appear in a movie. And I think... Much like Spider-Man 2, we got some really cool sequences between Octopus and Spider-Man. You know, this is really great action scenes. I think with William Two or William, with Agent Toomes, you can do that again, especially with a lot of air combat going on with one flying, yeah. the other one web slinging, which is cool. And they're familiar territories with uh, Falcon already, yeah. right? They've kind of done similar things. So I think it's a good way to go, and and he's a, it's, it's Michael Keaton. You know, it's Batman, the Birdman, playing uh, off-set with uh, Tom Holland. So I think that's a cool dynamic, and he's he's such a great actor, too. He's had this renaissance lately in Hollywood. So to see those two go at it, I think it's it's, it's perfect. Yeah, I really like what they're doing here. Yeah. I think it'll be a lot better than the lizard. That's for I sure. I agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Chris, thoughts on Vulture? I was really exactly going to say what Troy said about uh, the visuals that yeah. you're going to get. You can achieve those visuals with a goblin, too, right? Yeah. And they don't want to keep on giving us the goblin. In fact, they might not even give us the death of of Ben in this. I, I get from a lot of fans like I'm tired of hearing about the origin of Batman and the origin of Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay, maybe Marvel's going to do it that way. But uh as far as vulture in the comics, I never thought he was at all anything interesting. Yeah. Uh any character in my mind that's their their main ability is flight. Well, uh, that's like Nothing compared to somebody who could fly and shoot lasers out of their eyes yeah. and do this and that, da, da, da. Yeah. And then you got this guy over here. Like, there's Angel from X Men, and on the cover of X Men number one, he's holding a bazooka. Like, that's, the, <laughs> that's their idea, yeah. like, to make him cool. Give him a bazooka. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you put it that way because Vulture isn't. A villain that I would have saw in this movie. I thought I'm a huge fan of Doc Ock. I know yeah. they couldn't rehash this, right. but like out of all of the Spider-Man villains is out there, I love the idea of Doc Ock. Right. And Norman Osborn's another favorite of mine. Yeah. He's a character in there that I I think that they could potentially tease oh, in this yeah. film or something Dark later Rain. on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Later on down the road and having and saving this character the same way that Nolan did with Batman, saving the big characters yeah. for later on for second, third mm-hmm. movie, seeding this and doing something different. But I think for this film, looking back on it, and with the idea in mind that they don't want to rehash things, this, this seems like a logical step. This is a classic Spider-Man villain. He fits this whole technology thing that we're getting a little bit with Tony and yeah. with the upgrades to the suit. We're seeing what looks to be Chitauri-type Technology as well, yeah. like the purple lasers and right. that. Didn't did even revelation? make the
2: same kind of noise as the Iron Man. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So there's, there's going to be a lot of parallels, there, and I think it works. I, you don't, and I always say this for these type of origin style movies. You don't want to spend a ton of time trying to explain a, an elaborate origin of your villain while you're trying to focus in on your hero. Yeah, and that's what the MCU movies are about: is the hero and. Uh, that's sometimes where their, their shortfall is, is the villain, right? Right. But at the same time, let's seed something bigger for later. Right. I don't think Vulture is going to be something that carries forward through the whole trilogy. I no. don't think they're establishing that sort of villain, that, no. they carry, like a Loki or something, right? right. And whether that's going to be to the detriment of the film, I don't really think so. I think they need someone that is a formidable force, someone that can battle Iron Man and Spider-Man at the same time yes. and not feel hmm. like, okay, Iron Man could just come in and wipe this guy out. That's right. They needed someone that can hold his own there and yeah. maybe he has, he's got cronies like Shocker and that kick around right. as well. Right. So I think it's going to be a good villain for the film. It's going to be a villain that fits what they need to do at this point in time in the the portrayal in the development of Peter Parker in the MCU.
2: Well yeah and and going back to the old runs too I think they will do something and I uh, with with building up a villain kind of like what they've done with Thanos and as opposed to using uh, Norman Osborn I think they will use uh, Dr. Octopus. Uh, Way back in the comics he was the master planner. There's a big reveal later on I think when he goes to college that Dr. Octopus was pulling the strings all along and he's like the big bad behind everything and I think it'd be really cool if they did that with Doc Ock especially because everybody's favorite Spider-Man villain on screen at least was probably Doc Ock. I think everybody received him pretty well. So if they use that, I think that would be kind of cool. And he is somebody that could take take on Spidey and Iron Man at the same time. Yeah. And plus, um, he's been a big push in the comics lately uh, with uh, the Superior Spider-Man, obviously, and now the Superior Octopus, I yeah. think he is, in um, <coughs> The Secret Empire. So I think if anybody is to be pushed as like the big bad, it would be Doc Ock. I, at least I'd hope so. Especially on an intellectual level, too, he he rivals Spider-Man.
1: This is going to sound really funny, but yeah. th- this could really turn into a tense idea with what yeah. you're running. Like in the comics, uh, Doc Ock married Aunt May. That's right. And I Way was back. joking around <laughs> earlier saying Aunt May has a boyfriend. <laughs> so what if, yeah. yeah, he shows up and you kind of get like that sense of like, oh, the villain's at the door. Right. They could build up some tension with that. It's, it's going to be all in the casting and stuff. For sure. Like, man, yeah. That could be a fun avenue uh, there. The way <laughs> yeah.
2: to be at Fads, too, but they, like, remember that time when Doc Yeah. All
1: <laughs> all of, was with that It may <laughs> not
0: know, this little tiny old lady either. That's right? just right. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. She keeps
1: de-aging, and uh, yeah. so maybe there's a purpose behind it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, we've seen a lot of iterations of Spider-Man in the comics. But we've also seen a lot in film. And we've discussed quite a bit here about previous iterations here. But I just want to get your guys' favorite moments from the previous movies. Because when you look back at Spider-Man as a whole, the trilogy itself, the original Sam Raimi trilogy, yep. the 2002 version, this is a very important movie. And I think as important as this Tom Holland Spider-Man is for the MCU is what that was for The comic book film industry as a whole. This is coming off of the back end of Batman, the kind of death of Batman and Robin and that whole genre itself. And you pick up in 2002 with Spider Man, and this now makes comic book movies viable commercially as well as critically. This movie, this Spider Man, this first Spider Man, then you come into Spider Man 2, you're getting the X Men. They're starting to carry the weight of this industry. And without those iterations, particularly Spider Man, I think we probably don't have the MCU that we have today. That's right. So again, it shows how important this character is to the film industry, to the comic book industry, and how important it is to have a good Spider-Man in film, in the MCU in particular. So <laughs> it, it, it always kind of... I always maybe try to draw too many parallels to things and that how things relate to one another, but I'm seeing this Spider-Man movie in a similar fashion that I saw Spider-Man the original, is that the importance of what it's going to do going forward in the MCU. Right. Being, like I've said numerous times, you're the pillar. And the original Spider-Man was that very thing for the industry as a whole, for the comic book industry. And I love going back and revisiting those movies because I feel like they're so genuine in their take. Right. Is that they were something new, something different. They had the ability to kind of do whatever they want, and they really ushered in this new era of comic books, of comic book film, of comic books in general, I think. And I think there's a lot to give back to Spider-Man there, and I think supporting this this whole Spider-Man in the MCU yeah. is something that everyone's going to do. But I think there's a little bit more to that. There's a little bit more I think invested here for me personally because of what Spider-Man did for everything. I don't think I would have gotten into comic books in the absence of Spider-Man. Right, wow. Like I don't read yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. but I think the implications for what he was able to do and what Sam Raimi did with that that trilogy, or at least the first two movies. And I don't think it should be understated how important Spider-Man is to all this. And I think that's an appreciation I didn't fully have until I really started looking back in the last year or so of having Spider-Man in the MCU. I never really saw it as being that important. Right. And I even for Civil War, I agree that you needed that character. But in my mind I was like, okay, cool, Spider-Man's going to be in the MCU. Right. But when you look back at this as a as a whole, it's so much more important than just having another character in this having whomever come over from like Daredevil or, or Punisher come back from wherever they were before. This is so much more important than that. And I think this whole idea behind the acquisition or this this kind of relationship that they developed with Sony is is not only for their own brand, but for the fans themselves. Yeah. And I can really appreciate that. I kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Spider-Man's the best. Yeah. He's, great. He's Hail great. Spider-Man. <laughs> but what are some of you guys' favorite moments from previous movies that we have seen? From Amazing Spider-Man or the original <clears throat> Spider-Man Sam Raimi trailer. They made... trailer? The Sam Raimi movie. Do you think maybe they're going to start to maybe reuse or, or kind of look back and kind of try to reflect some of that in this, this Tom Holland homecoming
2: movie? There's quite a bit. Uh, going, again, back to uh, Spider-Man 2. The Doc Ock sequences yeah. on the on the clock tower there—that mm-hmm. was incredible stuff. Especially the CG back then. Um, it, what uh, Sam Raimi did there was was phenomenal. I really, you know, I didn't like Spider-Man Two. Amazing Spider-Man Two is my least favorite, next to Spider-Man Three. But uh, the 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 death of uh, Gwen Stacy there—that sequence was spot on. Mm-hmm. Is probably the it was the best thing in that movie. Yeah. Um, so that was that was well done. And going back to Civil War, the whole airport sequence was phenomenal. But Spider Man, you know, against Ant Man and comparing it to the AT, not the ATAT, yeah, the ATAT yeah. in Empire Strikes Back, probably one of my favorite scenes of all yeah. time. So uh, yeah, th- there's lots to go off there. Yeah. yeah,
1: there's a lot of really great action scenes and a lot of comedy, a lot of good moments. But I was thinking about uh, the third movie. Yeah, the bad one, and, <laughs> and there's something really great in that movie, and that's the origin of Sandman. Oh, yeah. he, yes. that's it's good. so good. Yeah, because uh, you you feel an emotional connection to him, the the pacing, the time that's passing as he's dissolving and rebuilding himself, and the motivation that's there. It was like beautiful, right? Like yeah. what they did with Sandman. So even in the worst movie, like <laughs> there's style. something really yeah. good going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a phenomenal scene. Yeah.
0: I, I have to go back to the web scene. Yeah. And I, that's something that I really hope we you see a lot of the time. It's yeah. So good. Like in, in Civil War, you didn't have the tall buildings because we're at this airport. Yeah. Right? There wasn't mm-hmm. much for him to do the big, long web scene. Right. And I want to see more of that because that's some of my favorite parts about Sam Raimi's Spider Man's yeah. is that. The, even the the development of the mechanics of web-slinging through the, those different movies, you can see it evolve if yep. you go back and watch them. You really can. Even right. into Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, Yes, it looks really, really good. And that's one of the most iconic things about Spider-Man is him web-slinging through New York. Yeah. And we haven't gone that with his iteration of Spider-Man. That's right. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him explore New York by web swing. Oh,
2: I, I can't wait. And actually, now that you guys brought up the, the web swing, um, i got to mention the Amazing Spider-Man One with the Stan Lee cameo in the high school. Okay. That was one of the best things I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Uh, one of my favorite cameos of all time. And so cool seeing Spider-Man in high school, having to transform into a suit you know, during the day, find the lizard in his own high school. So I thought that was really cool. And yeah, that I think Stan Lee has some kind of... Uh, some kind of he had headphones on. He right? had headphones on, yeah, right, yeah, like and he has some music right? going on. Yeah. Spider Man just saved him with the with the table about yeah. to fly at him. So <laughs> love that scene. Which yeah.
0: one is your favorite of the five that we've had before?
2: Uh For me, it basically yeah. Spider Man One or Spider Man Two. Yeah. I really like those two a lot. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It, I think it's hard to choose between the first two. They're yeah. really good. I'll say two, just because yeah. um, William Defoe is not in it yeah <laughs> I, like, I like william defoe right. it's just
0: it's a little over the
1: top <laughs> yeah. like when, I, when i picture norman osborne it's his voice
0: i have in my head because okay of those sure movies yeah yeah it's just yes the i don't maybe not so much in his character portrayal but the way he was with his voice and that yeah like it even when i think it was in was it two or three where he sees him in the mirror james franco mm-hmm. yeah that like That's his three. voice yeah. there is just chilling right Right. But I'd have to say probably two as well. I'm a yeah. big fan of Doc Ock. Like I oh, like that, what they Oh, that, That's great. And Loved that it. whole story, how it evolved and how it, how it just kind of turned out towards the end. And right. It, it, there was a lot of stakes there. And then you've got James Franco's character. He's All quite right. good in that. And, and again, that mentor
2: factor between yes, him and Doc Ock, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like
0: that. They, they, they built up on that. That's right. it, it was a really good angle. Right. And J.K. Simmons
2: yeah. as uh, Jay Jonah. Is right? Jay
0: Jonah, I don't know if he's not going to be in this. I guess he's a little bit further down the line, eh? No, he's Commissioner Gordon now, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he switched sides. <laughs> Best <time>. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as we, as we wrap up here, we look at Peter Parker in the MCU. He's got a very short history. But there's an interesting quote from Tom Holland earlier today. Yeah. And it revolves around Peter Parker being in the MCU prior to Civil War. That's right. Yeah. And this is something he confirmed. Yep. It was an article I read on comicbook.com, or yep. comicbook.com, I think. And um, Tom Holland said... In reference to a question about Peter Parker being in the MCU before, right. particularly in an Iron Man 2 sequence right. at the World's Fair, or the Stark Expo, and there's that little kid that's wearing the Spider-Man, or the Iron, Iron Man. Man mask, that Iron Man comes out and saves from a hammer drone. Yeah. So Tom Holland confirmed today that it. that is in fact Peter Parker.
2: Right. I thought it was so cool that, no. he, that he confirmed it. as yes. long as he wasn't the kid in Iron Man 3. Yes. It works for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this is coming straight from Feige and Tom Holland. He yeah. said they discussed this, but Spider-Man has been in the MCU or is in that continuity since 2010.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you, what do you
0: think about that little retcon? Is, does that make sense or is that too close? Like, is there too much there? I, I feel like they've seen a bit of that because it might be like a reference, oh, you saved me once, and that's why I want to be like you Right. type thing.
2: Right. right. Yeah, I, I think it works because I guess growing up in that universe, if you were to, Iron Man wouldn't be like that figure that everybody looked up to. So it kind of makes sense that Spider-Man was at one of those those fairs and he had the, the toy helmet mm-hmm. and all that. So I think it's kind of cool. I think it's harmless too. It's not too much where you have to look into it and be like, wait, this doesn't line up. Like, yeah. It's just enough to be like, yeah, that works. The, the age, age probably lines up too. Up. Yeah, ish. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of cool yeah. I think it's kind of neat.
1: What if they are going to somehow include this in the film somehow, like a flashback sequence, or like, I remember that time. I think really, they really could. Yeah. Well, to bring it up, for them to say it at all, like, does it really, like you said, Great. it's so light, like, what, what, who cares? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what about that poor kid that really played that little yeah. kid? Like, what, what happened to him? <laughs> oh my God, I played Spider-Man. I that. But it, it seems like such a weird thing, like... Oh, uh, last night we're watching movies and came up with fan th- uh, theories.
0: So we're gonna make this one real. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, then, think, <laughs> I think there could be a nod to it. <laughs> yeah. Like when I first heard it, I was like, oh my god, they're gonna do the the death of Ben at oh. the Stark Expo. Oh.
2: Whoa, but oh. I don't. But
0: it doesn't really line up with age. And yeah, and then with work. the responsibility factor. Yeah. It doesn't, and it doesn't. Like, it doesn't line up for that whole thing. Like, he could have stopped the death. Yeah, it's got to mm-hmm. be as yeah. Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. He's got to have the ability to stop. And that was the first thing that ran through my yeah. head. I was like, oh, they're going to do that. But
1: And he might be mad at Stark, just yeah. residually. Stark
0: yeah. Expo, Tony Stark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, if anything, it's going to be like, hey, I want to be like you because you saved me. And I saw you do this when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Right. And that's kind of how I've wanted to portray myself.
2: Right. Plus, he's a science geek, right? Yeah. Like, he's he's in that world I of... I figured those. it would
1: be a given he would be interested in a super inventor like, like Tony yeah. Stark. For sure.
2: Right For sure, because I remember going into the Civil War as soon as we saw that one scene when Tony's at the university. I was like, oh, we're going to see Tom Holland walk through here. You know, yeah. it didn't happen, but, you know, you just connect the dots with science and all that, right? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, the close out here, guys, After credit scenes, this is something that's become a staple for MCU movies. Yes. And being that we've got the confirmation that Tom Holland is going to be at least in Avengers Infinity War and we're going to get a sequel in July of 2019. What do you think they could possibly seed in this movie for future events or future Spider-Man movies? What, What do you think they could be doing here? What would you like to see? What would be- Venom? <laughs> 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 Tom Hardy just shows up. <laughs> or, or or maybe
2: I, Black Cat stealing something. Um breaking into something. Uh, again going back, I think it might be a maybe a Doc Ock scene. You might you yeah. might see him doing something. Maybe Norman Osborn, but I hope not. I hope we kind of stay away from Norman for a while, like really build that character up if we do go down mm-hmm. that route. But yeah, maybe maybe Doc Ock working on something.
0: Yeah.
1: Chris, yeah. any thoughts? Well, I think they would probably interject some Venom stuff since they're so moving forward with that movie. Right. But, but I think we're kind of thinking more along the lines of Avengers directly. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. That's it's a tough one. Are they just going to throw something random in there about the next Avengers? What's the next Avengers? Infinity movie? War. It is Infinity yeah. War. Next May. They might just skip it and say, "Let's do a Venom." Uh, after credits, I don't know
2: because it's Sony's call at the end of the day, too, right? Yeah, you, you know creatively, what I mean? Marvel. Mar- I yeah, I, I guess if Sony wanted to put out, push their their product though, because it's a Sony movie, essentially at the end of the day, I guess they'd still have to work it out with Marvel, anyways. But if they want to do the Venom movie,
0: I don't think uh, faggy has yeah. been adamant that that's not included. He did, yeah, exactly. And I, I suited this idea last week yeah. if, <laughs> if it is included, because there's that whole thing with Amy Pascal right, last week. Yes, that's that's fine. Being like, giggling. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the one of my thoughts was, what if Venom is in the movie? In but he's introduced in Infinity War. He comes on the back end of it's actually Secret War, right? Because we yeah, did see the the, the photo of Tom Holland covered up. Yeah, like
2: everybody else is in the regular clothes, and Tom Holland's covered up, black suit. Could he wear that black suit? I I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Incredible. The the Ultimate run did a really good job too. That Peter's parents, his dad and Eddie's dad, were both scientists, and they worked on this suit to cure cancer, and that actually turned into the Venom. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty neat too. So but if we go at cosmic you gotta do the secret war Yeah. route. I'd hope so at least.
0: I I, th- I really think there's gonna be an Infinity War seed here because they were filming they've been filming Infinity War for a couple months now and we know Tom Holland was on set with Downey and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So they technically have footage. footage. It's not something extra. It could be just like what they did with Civil War and Ant Man, it's just a scene that they plucked that they had already filmed That's right. and dropped it into the end that referenced the character. Right. So whether it's something crazy with Star-Lord or if it's something very minor with Tony Stark and and Tom Holland interacting a bit about this coming threat, I think that that makes sense to me, that that would be in there. But realistically, they're probably going to spend the time building up the Spider-Man universe because they want it to be their next Iron Man or Captain America level of franchise. So I think they're going to see Norman Osborn. I really, really do. But I'm dreaming here. But how about Kingpin from Netflix? Who or Daredevil or something like they're yeah. not gonna do it. That, oh I'd lose my mind if but it's Kingpin. He's, Kingpin. 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 he's first introduced in smart. Yeah, Man. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, yeah. he's yeah. tied to this is Vincent DeFont or what's his last name? Uh whatever. Um it's from, Vincent something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um that that's a character that if he just walked in, yeah. people would lose their minds.
2: Oh yeah, that that'd be crazy.
0: Yeah, or even oh. just a mention of this blind guy, this this devil of Hell's Kitchen or something, like just Finally acknowledging the Netflix series because we're so New York centric with Spider-Man. That's true. It makes sense to acknowledge the Defenders or something. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's that's something cool that they could do.
2: Right. Right. And
0: if they, if they really got their shit together. Yeah. They, they and yeah, it's, that, it's, the, it's the
2: it's that balance between the TV division and the and the movie yeah. division. So. so we'll you know it'd even be neat if spider mans suit was ripped. It's like, oh, man, who's going to stitch this? Because, right. you know, the Secret Wars, yeah. he ends up having to get the black suit. I don't know. There's so many opportunities they could go. Like, yeah. I need yeah. a detective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Personal anticipation for this. How stoked are you for this as we wrap it up here?
2: Yeah, it's all my old time still. Um, it was on my most anticipated list, number one. You know, Last Jedi, that trailer's pretty good, though. So that might be number one, too. I don't know. It's 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 up there, so I can't wait to see this. Uh, I got my tickets already. I got a couple of Marvel Legends already to go along yeah. with this this movie, so uh, I'm totally stoked. Yeah. yeah,
1: Chris, how about you? I'm a, just probably a notch under Troy, <laughs> just, a, just little a little. bit. <laughs> I don't have my tickets yet, but this is I'm am a big Spider-Man fan, and yeah. yeah, I'm so excited for this. It's gonna be great.
2: Yeah, actually, you know a funny fact. Uh, just going off here when when I, when Chris and I first met each other. Uh, the death of Spider-Man was just happening, I mm-hmm. believe, in the Ultimate Universe. And I went to, um, after, after we worked, I went to um, a store and I got a Spider-Man T-shirt printed. To oh, go, really? yeah, made to go with the whole like death of Spider-Man that day, and I and I picked it up that day. So, ha. fun fact there. <laughs> <laughs> Comics bring people together. Yes, exactly. absolutely. That's
1: exactly. why I started talking to you.
2: you Spider-Man <laughs> on your yeah, binder. yeah, you had the Captain
0: America <laughs> shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I agree with you guys. I'm stoked for this one. I am really looking forward to sitting down the theater and watching this and seeing how this film fits into the MCU as a whole, but also how it kicks off a new franchise for. Marvel for Sony I guess and what they're going to do with this character in the future I think there's huge potential here he's going to show up in every Avengers movie going forward and I think there's a lot here and I'm really excited for this so anyways as we end the show Chris thank you very much for having us here for opening up Alpha Comics for us to record in here I've had an absolute blast talking comic books and movies here it's been a lot of fun looking around too when I'm not talking at the trades the back issue bins here but why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet and a little bit about the store? Oh,
1: sure. Our website is alphacomics.ca. We've been doing a lot on there lately. We've been doing comic book reviews and, and all kinds of things. Uh, we're located in Linwood in Calgary on 18th Street, north of the Ogden Safeway, about five minutes from Schnook Center. And uh, we're open six days a week, so please check our hours before visiting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. Make sure you guys get down here if you're in the area. Come down and hang out on Wednesdays. I know you guys always got a big crew in here kind of mm-hmm. chilling, and reading comic party. books. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about comic books, like-minded individuals here, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I know, Troy, you're here down here almost. Oh, yeah. And yeah, maybe. as much as I can. And, yeah.
2: and if I'm not here for a while, I, I come out with a fat stack yeah. of comics. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the best place in the world, guys. Come down here. And, you know, Chris has you covered for all the DC collectibles. It's a hard time finding these DC figures anywhere. So you can always Ooh. come down here and pick those guys up because I love them. Yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> all right, guys. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Sitting here in Alpha Comics talking about Spider-Man, talking about Star Wars, and a little bit about Marvel Legacy. If you guys are interested in more MCU, we do our retrospective series. That's one review a month for the next 18 months, or for 18 months. And this month, we're doing Captain America, the First Avenger. You can go back in our back catalog. We've done everything from Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, Thor. And now we're kicking up into Captain America, the First Avenger, where we sit back and we review these things with the idea of the MCU in place at this point. So it's a nice retrospective look back. That episode drops this Friday the 30th so that's our our june review and our july review is going to be spider-man homecoming it's a little bit out of order but we're trying to capture these things for a weekend of release review so that'll be coming out in a few weeks as well as spider-man drops next week we hope you guys have enjoyed this if you'd like to be a part of the conversation you can always hit us up at nerdrm at gmail.com you can comment on our facebook or youtube pages or you can hit us up on twitter our handles are at the end of the episode well all right guys Thank you again, Chris, for having us here at Alpha Comics. And until next week for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And Chris. And thank you for entering Alpha Comics and the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.